Welcome to the Talking Earth, Women's Day 2020. Two. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we might have to. Billy Holiday, I believe. Billy Holiday, that's a great woman. Died tragically. How many women died tragically, Patrick? I don't know, but a lot. Terrible lot. Yeah, Billy OD'd. juice on the program but so my disclaimer is that the talking earth Walt Curtis and Patrick Bill we want to do uh, uh, a show of women's voices and a woman's woman's day 2022 but uh, we can't cover all that ground we're gonna cover some highlights and uh, uh, how is your woman, Melissa? I don't know her any women. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't think you were gay, well. but maybe you are. <laughs> no, I'm hetero, but Melissa's doing fine. Yeah. Oh, take off your mask, we don't know. The cats are uh, the cats are fine. Your voice is kind of muffled, but oh, okay. that, that's fine. The cats are doing well. Bringing them into the vet next, or bringing the Siamese male guy. Uh huh. Into the into the what's, next week. Oh, what, what what's going on with the cat though? Go ahead. Oh, he seems to be doing well. Uh, he still has a small cell lymphoma, so yeah. What what's he got? Some weird disease. He's cancer. Oh. I told you before. So, oh, well, but I know, the, but I don't remember about your cat. Non, you live with your cat. I don't live with your yeah, cat. Yeah, it's the non-bad cancer. Okay. So it's the the cancer that they don't die immediately from. Where am I? I am knocking on wood right now. Uh And that's enough about that. He's a male, so we don't. It's Women's Day. Let's okay, it's Women's it. Day. Uh, what was your mother like, Patrick? Uh, you know, one of the big things is that uh, we came from our mothers. We came from women, uh, and uh, this needs to be known by every male. Until testosterone kicks in, uh, even at the fetus level, every fetus is a female. His name is uh, John Money, Yale University. Uh, so males are, I, I remember a lesbian telling me uh, that... Um, Males suffer from testosterone poisoning, and I totally agree with her. Uh, and uh, but uh, 
And one of the most interesting things, uh, I want to bring up Pope Joan in eight, uh, 814 B.C. Ch pope Joan, one woman pope in the boys' club of the Vatican. Uh, and she was there for two years. And she posed as her brother in the Benedictine monastery. And Pope Joan and Poet David Hedges told me, and I'll give a shout out to him, um, he wrote The Changer and he's, he's got a book coming out on Donald, uh, Donald Idiot Trump uh, poems. But Pope Joan, uh, from then on, from then on, the boys' club at the Vatican, when they when they brought in a new pope, and and this is supposedly real vocabulary. The word testify comes from testicle, so at the conclave, the males have to show their testicles to prove that they are not a female pope like Pope Joan was. And isn't that weird? Test, test, testicle and, and testify are, are the same, you know, root. These are both rooted in the Latin, yeah. the Latin word. Yeah, yeah, but it's, um, it's fascinating that that's where the word testify came from. You show your um, genitals <laughs> uh, to prove that you are part of patriarchy. And uh, we're not going to be vulgar or stupid on this uh, this Women's Day show. We're going to get some um, uh, energy in here. But uh, isn't, that, isn't that kind of shocking, really? I mean, so... Uh, Unfortunately, not that surprising. Uh, uh, that was the only woman pope in the entire history of the Vatican, 2,000 years or more or whatever it is since... Uh, Christ and uh, he had uh, he had the woman Mary Magdalene who was a sacred prostitute. They called her a prostitute for many years, but she was from Ethiopia. And uh, anyway, the point is uh, that uh, Pope Joan then is the only pope in the history of the Vatican Church. And um, I got a uh, wonderful biography of her. It's in a novel form, but it's a fascinating, um, uh, a well-researched book on Pope Joan. So, so Pope Joan, real, uh, she broke into the boys' club, and uh, I'm going to bounce around here. I want to bring up Ursula Le Guin, of course, who passed away this last year, and. Uh, I mean, I have her voice, and I want to bring in Hazel Hall, and 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 you know, I I think this topic, uh, Women's Day and all of that, is just a huge thing, and we're not going to. We're going to play my muse. I had two muses, Marjorie Sharp, and uh, Sabrina Guitar, who is in the Pyrenees. And she sent a uh, uh, some songs here, so we're going to have a little music here uh, in a minute from Sabrina. But um, here, we'll just uh, play this, and uh, and she says hello. 
Hello, Walt. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Walt. I wish we could talk uh, direct, but you are in one part of the planet and I am in the other side of it. So we'll use technology to connect. Some things are good about technology. There is no doubt about it. Technology, this okay. This song I am sending you, Transhumanism, I guess is the dark side of technology. Is the technology that uh, people like Rudolf Steiner warned us about when he said that it came from the forces of Harriman. Of well, yeah, Steiner was beloved by Hitler, but... Uh, we're going to have Sabrina do her songs. We want to get some juice here. We got to sort of like baking a cake or something. <laughs> It gets a little louder. She's alone in the Pyrenees Mountains on the border of France and Spain. Teaching English or, or language to uh, My engineer, is that loud enough? Yes.
Yeah, in the Pyrenees all alone, but she's in the mountains and she's safe from COVID.
um, Patrick, how many times did you meet Sabrina? She, uh, we made uh, the, and, and please listen to this very carefully, we made salmonpoet.com, it's on YouTube. Uh, she actually is a filmmaker. She worked on a film when she was at Pacific University here in Portland. And uh, G-U-I-T-R-T, um, you can look at her website, Sabrina, G-U-I-T-A-R-T dot com. Uh, there's photos and everything. She's a great photographer. And um, uh, the word Hitani uh, in French means gypsy, Hitani Films dot Gmail. So... Um, I was, I was very, uh, pleased with, um, our, our relationship for many years, uh, and, and she is my muse, one of my muse, the other one is, uh, Marjorie Sharp, um, but, but did you, did you meet Sabrina? Sabrina? Yeah, I met Sabrina. Yeah, I've had her on the program, but. Yeah. But why don't, why don't you suggest some of the difficulties that this file has been coming for, she went to Choppas and she's been, you know. I think it was, the difficulties were her. Go ahead. Send yeah. It. But yeah, it's, uh. Yeah. She I, basically got it, got it to us about a, about a month ago, right before the show that we recorded last month. Well, you know, uh, and, uh, it, even then, one of the one of the files didn't come. Yeah, through this is the difficulty of of recording outside of the studio, and uh, uh, it's uh, rather interesting that uh, uh, very interesting that uh, the what we've been going through at KBOO. Uh, dot Evan, I, I don't know if they're, we're having a, a pledge drive again, are we? Uh, I don't think we're in one right now. And we might bring up, um, uh, that, uh, my co-host for about 20 years, and you've worked with Barbara LaMorticella. Yes. Uh, I was trying to get her voice. I wanted to honor her. And you, you, you say what you said about, uh... Well, she, um... She had some heart trouble and was in the hospital recently, and she's back out of it. But uh, she may be taking a break. Uh, so she won't be on the next show. Well, that... the ne next week's show is Dan Raphael's show, actually, and I can tell everyone what that is. The talking, or just keep it's, it short. Yeah, yeah we we got to keep running through he, this. He has, he has three guests next week. Uh, Amy Baskin, and my phone didn't like that. Amy Baskin... Uh, Lex Ruchman and Kristen Berger. But uh, the month after that, it was supposed to be Barbara's show, and she wants to take a break. Um, because, you know, she has to deal with this. But she she's out of the hospital. She's feeling better. But, you know, she she doesn't really trust the medical uh, industrial complex, and I don't blame her. <laughs> well, they just want to operate and cut. Or give you drugs. Yeah, or give you drugs, so. Yeah, but that's that's beside the point. It's just, uh, yeah, well, it's, it, it, it may be, she may miss, she was talking about missing two to three shows. Um, well, that's, that's in the future, and, but. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, Barbara, I brought her in 20 years ago. I had Doug Spangle and some males, and I wanted some 
yin and yang energy. Like I wanted some yin ago? energy. I thought it was like 40. A uh, 40? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 20 uh, years ago is when I started, Walt. Well, uh, okay. She was, she was I, 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 I don't want to talk about time. Okay. I'm okay. 80. Don't you talk about time. So I'm how old are you? I'm a 50s. Oh, you're wonderfully 50 years old. Great. Yes. Um, I will see if, if Sabrina can scream for me. Uh, we did a Rambo tape, and we'll see what happens here. So let's play it, if it works. Come on, rat. Do it, rat. Let me get the baby. A Caesar and a howl. Arthur Rambo. Uh, I'm getting her. As she, she's a great linguist. She said, if I remember well, my life was a festa where I opened all the hearts and all the once I remember, well, my life was a feast, was a feast. J'ai assis la beauté sur mes genoux, et je l'ai trouvé amère, et je l'ai injurié. That's Sabrina's voice. Je me suis armé contre la justice. Je me suis enfui aux sorcières, aux misères, aux haines. C'est à vous que mon trésor a été confié. One evening, I seated Beauty on my knees, and I found her bitter, and I cursed her. I armed myself against justice. I fled, I fled, fled, I fled misery. My treasure been entrusted. Where are we going? Are we... I love you. <laughs> no one can read like me in the universe. <clears throat> we had such Go a ahead. lovely time laughing. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going I could try to purge my mind of mind of our mind of mind of human hope on our on our with the stealth of a wild beast. J'ai appelé les bourreaux pour un périssant mordre la crosse de leur fusil. J'ai appelé les flots pour m'étouffer avec les sables, les sangs. Les malheurs a été mon Dieu. Je me suis allongé dans la buée. Je me suis séché Et j'ai joué des bons tours à la folie. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, we have to keep moving here. We're running out of uh, whatever time and um, money. So, um, I think it's a great tape. I was, I had the flu and, and she came to my room and, and we butchered, uh, Rambo's, uh, a season in hell and illuminations. So that's enough of Sabrina. We love you wherever you are in, in the Pyrenees. And, uh, 
Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover here, and uh, we are going to try. Um, so, Patrick, Barbara La Morticella is all right. Okay. She's okay. I talked to her a couple days ago. Yeah, and uh, uh, I... I loved her. She she took care of um, uh, Robert, her husband, who had dementia and all of that, and for five years. And uh, uh, so, what do you think about marriage? You're married. <laughs> <laughs> what about it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you're you're married. I'm not married. No. Okay. Uh, so, what about marriage? I mean, Melissa and and you're not married to your cats, but <laughs> what a uh, we we tell our cats there are forever cats. They the, like they like hearing that. They ha they like what, dear? They like hearing that there 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 are forever cats. Forever? Yeah, are forever cats. What does that mean? We we're gonna take care of them for as long as they're around. Okay, forever cats. Well, yeah, that's a. Yeah, I think Skoog is not as enthralled about us saying it to Leo, but yes. She was first. Uh, I I don't know about pets, but <laughs> I don't have one. I don't want a dog or a cat looking at me when I come home. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this will be a serious program. So we brought up Pope Joan. We brought up Sabrina in the Pyrenees. And we're going we're going too slow here, but um, one of the things I was involved with, and there were others, uh, women uh, and 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 men, was uh, Portland's great poet Hazel Hall, who died in 1924. Well, our Oregon cultural heritage, go to OCHCOM.com. Uh, we, uh, Hazel was a cripple seamstress, and, uh, and her sister Ruth, a librarian who went to Reed College, uh, really helped her with her life. But they lived at, you can go there and see the Poetry Park. I'm going to read one poem, The Poetry Park, and I'm going to tell you that uh, Hazel Hall's collected poems are at uh, Oregon State University Press. I highly recommend uh, this book. This, uh, this woman is, uh, was so great. She died, she was born in 1886 and died in 24. Uh, the poem that I uh, deeply love uh, and, and we, we had Mayor Vera Katz, um, do a proclamation for Hazel Hall. She died on Mother's Day, 1924 at age 38, way too young. Uh, her books were Curtains, uh, Walkers, and The Cry of Time. But the, the poem that I really am enamored of, and I, I wrote three or four essays and I don't, I don't, it's not about, this program is not about me. Uh, what, what it is, is uh, I never really got it that Hazel, uh, 
here is um, she was as was Edna St. Vincent Millay and uh, Eleanor Wiley and others um, uh, a proto-feminist poet and they they tried to call her a Georgian poet but no, here is uh, a poem I like, and then I'm going to talk about the uh, uh, the fountain, uh, which uh, all the homeless and and others have have overwhelmed. Uh, uh, come on, what's the name of the fountain <laughs> um, down there in in, in uh, right near Burnside and uh, oh, uh, Skidmore Fountain. The Skidmore Fountain. Uh, I, I'm going to read a poem that actually I, I didn't get it for many years. She was writing about that, but she did uh, sewing and needlework and was she had an she had a, a huge reputation. But I, I'm going to try to do justice to this for instruction. My, hot, my hands that guide a needle in their turn are led relentlessly and deftly as a needle leads a thread. Other hands are teaching my needle when I sew. I feel the cool, thin fingers of hands I do not know. They urge my needle onward. They smooth my seams and the worry of my stitches smothers in their skill. All the tired women who sewed their lives away speak in my deft fingers as I sew today. And uh, Hall had a huge career. I, uh, um, the uh, poetry magazine was... Um, Darn it, out of Chicago, and that's where it started. And um, trying to think of the <laughs> the editor publisher, but this is made of crepe de chine. Now uh, all these beautiful cloths and uh, uh, types of material and all of that. Um, so crepe de chine. This. Uh, is the quintessential uh, woman's poem, but I, I kept thinking, who was she talking about or what was she talking about? Well, she was talking about the Caryatids. The um, Olin Warner had come from New York uh, with the help of Charles Erskine's Scott Wood and and had, uh, had the fountain... Uh, uh, built there, and, and it's a basin, a brimming basin, and there are three uh, women who are shouldering it. And so here we go. Made of crepe de chine, a needle running in white crepe de chine. A beautiful line here is not the frail servant of utility it was designed to be. It is an arrow of silver sunlight plunging with a waterfall and hands moving in white crepe de chine 
are not slaves of the precedent that governs them, are not slaves of the sewing, doing women's work. They are the crouching women of a fountain who have sprung from marble into life to bathe ecstatically in the brimming basin, in the brimming, to bathe ecstatically. So uh, Hazel Hall, Oregon State University Press, The Collected Poems, you would do yourself a great favor to know uh, um, Oregon's probably most famous woman of the period, a woman poet, and and uh, more than that, uh, um, what we what more than that is that uh, she had a reputation back then. And she also, at 38, had a premonition that she was going to die. And she, that's her last book, uh, um, Curtains. No, no, The Cry of Time. And uh, so you need to know about Hazel Hall. And you need to go down there to... Uh, just go up Burnside, Northwest 22nd Place, Northwest 22nd Place, turn right off of Burnside and go down about five blocks and the uh, Hazel Hall, Ruth Hall house was put on the Oregon Registry, registry uh, with the help of William Stafford and... Um, uh, we have a, there's a plaque there and there's a, there's a poetry park there with, uh, three of her poems on, uh, on marble. And so, uh, if you care about women's poetry or if you care about, uh, the cultural life of, uh, of Portland, just visit the Hazel Hall Memorial Northwest 22nd place. And um, you will do yourself a great favor to read her work, which is very, very great. I compare it with Edna St. Vincent Millay and others. So Hazel Hall. Well, we've dealt with Hazel Hall. Who else we got to deal with here? Ursula Gwynn. Well, we can, we can uh, put Ursula Gwynn's voice on and... Uh, uh, let's, uh, but Urs Ursula died, uh, this last year, but Ursula Le Guin, so you read science fiction, yeah, Patrick, and did you read The Lathe of Heaven or, oh. the, or The Left Hand of Darkness? Uh, well, I, I read The Left Hand of Darkness. Tell there, me about um, a little bit about it. And we'll... Yeah, but I read The Lathe of Heaven when I was a kid because there was a, a PBS min miniseries made on it. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, it was like a two-hour two show or something like that. Um, and I saw commercials for it and eventually saw it. So, And I liked the aliens in it, so I, wanted, I really wanted to read that book. 
And my brother and I, we were, like, my family went to Barnes & Noble. We were picking out Christmas presents for each other. So I bought Ursula Gwynn's The Late of Heaven, and my brother brought, uh, bought uh, James Tiptree's, uh, uh, what is it, Up the Walls of the World? Because we, uh, because he wanted to read that book, and I wanted to read the the Late of Heaven, and we gave it to each other, and then we just gave them back to each other. Well, you know what's uh, what's most yeah. amazing about uh, Ursula Le Guin, and I got to know her uh, toward the end. I I knew her before because uh, the poet Robert Davies and Jane Davies were friends with Ursula, so occasionally I I I got to meet her through through um, Robert, who uh, was involved with John Gogol and Mr. Cogito Press. But uh, I'm going to say science fiction had basically been throughout its history, and I don't know, we're going to say Jules Verne, who are, who are we going to say? Anyway, the... H.G. Wells, Robert uh, Yeah, and, and no, no, we're going back early. Uh, uh, science, anyway, um, had been a male uh, it domain. A, it was a guy's club. It was a guy's club, totally. So she's the only woman who single-handedly... Uh, created an anthropological uh, and gender-biased uh, uh, based uh, um, science fiction. Oh, like uh, otherwise, it was, uh, what, what, fantasy King Arthur or, or rocket ships or, or stuff like that. Well, science fiction is mostly rocket ships. And, uh, oh, you tell uh, me about that, well, yeah. But the thing is, is that, I mean, back in the, in the 70s, there were a number of other authors, too, but... Uh, like James Tiptree Jr. is actually a woman. Uh, okay. But, but often they had to use a, a pseudonym to get published. Um, and they did different stuff. But Ursula Le Guin, uh, yes, her stuff was based on... A, on her, her father, who was an anthropologist. Anthropology and linguistics. Al- Alfred Kroeber. And, and, and I, her, her mother, Theodora um, uh, Kroeber, uh, actually... Um, uh, the the father that's what Ursula K is for Krober, and she um, uh, single handedly changed the genre of science fiction. You know, yeah. And 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 she I have uh, her last book here, Cavu. Uh, if you go to Cavu, you can probably find some interviews with her. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, No Time to Spare. This is her last book. And it came to me, and um, uh, I, she is so far reaching. She actually did a, uh, uh, from a woman's point of view, uh, the um, Dao Te Ching, uh, uh, The Power of the Way, and, 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 made it not a male book exactly uh and so we have her last book no time to spare uh and this is toward the end she died um uh this last year but the book that i really recommend we're going to hear her voice here for a minute uh is um uh, 
Darna is, <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded by books here, uh, is, well, we have it here. Um, keep talking about Ursula. One of the things she did with Left Hand of Darkness, uh, the uh, Tell me about the Left Hand of Darkness. It, it's, well, first off, it's human beings who are on a planet that was colonized and Go ahead, lost. Tell, tell us about it. You're and the that's something figure. she actually pulled off really well. It's like it's kind of like an alien society, but it's, it's human beings. It's homo sapiens. And the thing, the difference is, is that they change, they go into Kemmer, they call it Kemmer, and they change genders. Well, they change gender. Talk about changing yeah. gender. Yeah. So like, and that's actually kind of a big point in the story. It's been a while since I've read it. But it's it's very well written. It's kind of it, it's a kind of a great. Well, idea. it was a huge breakthrough book. I and, mean, and I don't know. Yeah, she Ursula Gwynn un and categorically is the greatest writer ever to come out of Portland, and she has so much work. And I'm trying to find her. Uh, I can't find anything here, but uh, uh, Kabu did some last interviews with her. Uh, Dr. David Neiman, who did between the covers, you can go there, and he made uh, here is stirring the craft. Uh, no, we're not getting our voice here. So, uh, Patrick, just ad lib, get funny. Week, <laughs> I think uh, initially. So there was a good deal of editing involved. From the transcripts, we're, we're talking about Ursula. You mentioned that there was some original material written for the book. Yeah, well, so oh, uh, the introductions. Of this is David so Neiman, and between the covers and section that is sort of orients the reader to the occasion of the conversation, and also to the ways the questions that are being raised by Ursula and her art are different when she's engaging in this particular genre. So while there's, of course, you see these repeating motifs from fiction to poetry to nonfiction. You see a different foregrounding of questions in each of the genres. So there's introductions around that. And then Ursula wrote this really wonderful, funny and insightful and, and revealing introduction to the book as a whole. A fear and loathing. A fear and loathing in the interview. In the interview. <laughs> and in a way, she walks us through all the ways in which she's been interviewed in, in terrible ways. And you learn, you really feel her personality in the introduction, and um, it's it's funny, and but you also just get a sense of, of sort of this no nonsense sense of Ursula and how much she's saw through a, a long life in, in the literary world. You're listening to Radio Zine on KBU Community Radio. We're talking today with David Naiman, co-author of the new book Ursula K. Le Guin: Conversations on Writing. From Portland's Tin House Books. Okay, uh, and then I have her voice now, so keep keep ad libbing here. Uh, we're gonna be all right here, I think. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You know, uh, I I'm gonna take this whole business easy here. For very short sentences. Now here's her um, voice. You, you both look at the limitations of those choices, but give plenty of examples of, of long histories of other choices. Would you say that's true? Yeah, uh, 
It's a... That's her voice. There are advantages and disadvantages to living a very long time, as I have. But one of them is you, you, do, you can't help getting the wrong view. You've just seen it. You've seen it come and seen it go. And, and you, you can recognize a sort of trendy thing that is being announced as the absolute way you must write. And, you know, it's fairly visibly, well, that's the way to write right now if you want to sell right now to a right-now editor. But there is also the long run. And I guess my book is kind of stands for the long run in writing rather than the, the short-term instant saleability. Right. I, I really loved your, your discussion of the costs and benefits, the trade-off between past tense and present tense. And obviously a lot of people are writing more recently in the present tense. Um, and the past tense has a much longer history, but you talk about the way um, the past allows for a referring back and forth in time and space that is more um, mimicking the way our, our minds and our memories work. Yeah, and, and is particularly connected to telling a, a big story, a story with, with some real depth. That's a, that is one of the major issues that I really wanted to uh, rewrite the old the first edition of, of Steering the Craft, was that point particularly, which I had sort of sounded off on and thought about a lot. Uh, I was a bit snarky about. And it's a very complicated issue. Using, I mean, obviously, present tense has, has certain uses that are just, it's, it's wonderful for. But the, it, it is kind of being adopted blindly as the only way to tell a story by young people who haven't read very much. And I'm just kind of saying, oh, you know, it's one way to tell a story, but it's not a very good way to tell uh, certain stories. It, it, it can be extremely limiting. I, I call it flashlight focus. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, well, for, sh for you, sure. You see a spot ahead of you, and it's kind of dark all around it, and that's great for, like, uh, high suspense, high drama, cut to the chase writing. That's terrific. But if you, uh, you want to tell a big, long story, well, I can, okay, I'm, I've been reading Elena Ferrante. I am reading Jane Smiley's book, which moves year by year from 1920 up into the 50s. Uh, writing that in the present tense would be maddening to read. And yet, it's it's very present. Each, each each scene, okay, you're in 1932, you're in 1932, it's the present time. It could be written in the present tense, but it wouldn't work. Because it would be this flashlight focus instead of this sense of uh, including past time, future time, and even the scenery around. Uh, it's, 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 it, but it's, it took me a lot of thinking to arrive at what I said in this book. Hmm. And that, you know, it may not yet be final. I never think what I think is final, because I'm always finding out something else. You've been listening to Between the Covers, and we've been talking today with Ursula K. Le Guin, the author of Steering the Craft. If you're interested in hearing the entire conversation, an additional 30 minutes of interview, by early afternoon today, we will have the entire interview up on the KBOO website at kboo.fm slash between the covers. 
Now, that's uh, very important, the... Um, between the covers and Doctor Between the Covers. So you can find uh, Ursula uh, interviews with her on KBOO.FM, and we have to give a shout-out to KBOO and uh, Community Radio that <laughs> they they can put up with uh, this. So what have we done here already? What's our homework? We've done um, Hazel Hall, Pope Joan, what else? Um uh, Ursula Le Guin. Ursula Le Guin, but no, we did. Gave a shout out to Barbara. Uh, we gave a shout out to Barbara. Um, and uh, I, um, I, and we're we're missing something here, but. Uh, time. Oh, there are other. What is the time? Yeah, give me the time. And we, I uh, wanna, we probably got three minutes. Is that all we have is three minutes? Yeah, about. Well, uh, I think that, I think we should put, we should mention other writers, Catherine Dunn in Portland, uh, Leanne Grable, uh, of course, Barbara Morticello, the co-host on The Docking Earth, and I want to go out with um, uh, a rousing song, and I, I, there are, there are no apologies, this is a huge topic, um, uh, women's history and how women have been suppressed. Take care of uh, your mother and your uh, uh, wife and your daughter and and encourage them. And and you know the um, every male came from a female, and I think that is uh, part of the problem. The mother and the male then males rebel rebel with their testosterone poisoning and i uh want to play oh my god i've got to mention one barbara g walker the women's dictionary of of symbols and sacred objects and she did i cannot believe the scholarship involved in women's history this is very important Barbara G. Walker, and she did the Women's Encyclopedia of uh, uh, of of myths and 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 magic and and Barbara G. Walker. I have no idea why she isn't known better in uh, scholarly circles, and it's um, Barbara G. Walker. Hazel Hall. Uh, I love the Joan of Arc statue uh, up at Gleason Street, the gilded one, and uh, she was burned at the stake. And I and as as Patrick and I were coming in here, all the women herbalists who patriarchy and the uh, males uh, did not understand anything about menstrual cycle or uh, women's anatomy or, or anything like that. But, but the women herbalists were the first doctors on the planet and they were burned at the stake by the male patriarchy. I, I hate patriarchy and I want to give a shout out to Marjorie Sharp. Oh, and we did Sabrina Guitard, I guess, uh, yes. in, in the Pyrenees. Um, and, and I... I want to play one 
rousing song here, and this is one of the greatest women that I uh, I cannot believe they gave they gave Bob Dylan the Nobel Prize for his song lyrics, which is fine, but the woman who uh, it's fine for you, uh, Joan Baez is really. Uh, the voice that uh, I think uh, and the woman activist which is so enormously this is from uh, Gracias a la Vida Thanks to Life I don't know if we did this did we do this alright oh let's let's hear her voice really Gracias a la vida, Victor Hara, uh, and, and listen, Isabel Allende was the the niece of uh, Salvador Allende, who was murdered by the CIA and Kissinger, and um, there's so much to talk about in this. Here, let's let's let let's let Joan. Now we're gonna go out with the show. I want this played though. Is it a little more we miss Billy Holiday and oh come on. Let, let's do it here. One more. Let's do it one more time. This is for all the women in the world. I owe them a great debt. My sister, my mother, uh, Marjorie Sharp, and Sabrina Guitar, and and just because I'm not a flaming heterosexual and don't have offspring, uh, doesn't mean that uh, I, I find males boring when they get to middle age. What do you think, Patrick? Women. Okay. So the talking earth, it's. Uh, just seek out Ursula and Pope Joan and uh, Hazel Hall and uh, some of these incredible voices like Angela Davis, Toni Morrison. Um, you know, there there is so much that males need to learn. Males need to learn about their sisters and their girlfriends and their uh, uh, mothers and daughters. We're talking earth. Thank God for women. What a boring world it would be. <laughs>